start in Psalms chapter 98. I want to read to you and encourage you to follow along. We will put some of the text up on the screen. Here's what the Word of God says. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained Him the victory. The Lord has made known His salvation, His righteousness He has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His mercy and His faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Listen to this. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Psalms 100 talks about singing as well. In fact, when the Amplified Bible really, really takes it apart, you'll see in verse number four of Psalms 100, it goes on to say, we, we know the verse where it says, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And the Amplified takes it and really gets into the Hebrew. And it really means this, enter into his courts with a song of thanksgiving. Singing matters. Singing matters. I, I said this last week, and I'll just say it again. I hope that you did not come to watch worship. Yeah, because that's not what God intended church to be about. He didn't intend church to be about a place where you go and you watch people on a platform or a stage. In fact, we never call this a stage because there's no entertainers up here. We're, we're not putting on a show. There's no actors here. That's for Hollywood. We're on a platform, and we're leading people in worship. And I hope you did not come to watch worship. I hope you came to worship. Come on, somebody. I hope that you came into this place because you wanted to lift your voice and join with the chorus of those who are singing because singing matters. Singing matters. It does matter. You know, I think one of the things that's changing in the body of Christ in the church in general is we're not looking at the first part of the service as being just the part of the service that we sing. And it's just something that we do. It, it used to be that, that that's kind of considered the appetizer before we get to the, the meal. It's the preliminaries before we get to what really matters. And I kind of see that changing because if you really think about it, there's only two parts of the service that are directed towards God. The offering and the singing. That's it. God doesn't learn anything through my preaching. Somebody say, Pastor, I know that's true. No, God never, after any message I've ever preached, I never heard him say back to me, Brian, that was a great point. That'll really help me. I'm dealing with a couple situations right now, and, and point number three, I really needed that today. God has never, ever said that to me. It's the offering and the worship. It is the singing that we direct towards God. That's the part of the service that he gets glory from. That's the part of the service that he delights in. He wants to hear your voice. Listen, you add value to this place. When you come in, God did not intend for you to be silent. He intended for you to lift your voice and to sing. To sing. You know, the greatest commandment in the Bible, Jesus said, is to love. 
The greatest commandment is to love. But do you know that the commandment that is most often mentioned in the Bible is the command to sing? God intended for us to sing. He gave us voices to sing. To some, he gave beautiful voices. To some others, not so much. But I'm so grateful that the Bible doesn't say make a beautiful sound. It just says make a joyful sound. I, I, I can do that. I, I can't do the former, but I can do the latter. I can make a joyful sound. Huh? And if the music's loud enough, I sound just like the person singing. Come on, anybody? Just turn it up loud. Just get it really loud. You say, why is it so loud? So that I don't have to hear myself. Glory to God. That way I sound just like the recording. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, when the children of Israel, when they got out of Egypt, when they crossed over the Red Sea, what's the first thing they did? Sing. Yeah. Yeah, Marion grabbed the tambourine, and she, she began to lift her voice, and she said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. When Mary found out she was pregnant, she greeted her cousin Elizabeth. That's when the baby le leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Listen, here's what, here's what happened. As soon as they, they greeted each other, Mary burst into song. Luke chapter 1. Do you know that when Jesus took communion with his disciples at the Last Supper, do you know what they did immediately following communion? The Bible says they sang hymns together. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there and seen that and be a part of that? They sang together. They sang together. The largest book in the Bible was not intended to be read. It was intended to be sung. The Psalms of, of David and Asaph and Solomon, those were songs to be sung. Hallelujah. God wants to hear your voice. Singing matters. It matters to God. It makes a big difference to God. Here's why singing matters. Number one, because singing is a gauge. Singing is a gauge. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dis dis dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. What's this? Speaking to another, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you know the Bible actually says we're to sing to each other? We're to sing to each other. One of the signs, I believe, of a church that believes in the fullness of the Spirit is, is the worship. I can tell just from the moment I walk into a church whether they believe in the fullness of the Spirit or not. Why? Because of the worship. Because of the worship. Have you ever been in one of the churches? Have you ever been in a church that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit? Have you ever sat through one of the services? Have you sat through the worship? Huh? Have you ever been there when they said, I want you to turn to hymn number 365? We're going to sing the first and third stanza. Huh? And they start off bringing in the sheaves. Come on, y'all. Y'all know that song? Bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing. I knew we had some old Baptists in this place. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. They have no idea what we're talking about. What is a sheaf? Nobody knows. Nobody's ever brought one in, but we're singing, bringing in the sheaves. 
and it's dry and it's dead and we're talking about rejoicing, right? But listen, when you go to a church where they believe in the fullness of the Spirit and the expression and the gifts of the Spirit, you sense a difference. My wife and I, when we were on vacation a couple years ago, we were over in Sanibel Island and, you know, it was Sunday. We said, hey, let's go check out a church. We don't get to do that often. So we were looking for a church. I had no idea. We had nothing. We had, we had no suggestions from anyone. So I just went on the internet. Man, we're checking out the, the yellow pages. This was a little while ago. And so we're, we're checking some things out. And we're, I'm trying to find a church with a cool name. I thought, let's just find one with a cool name, you know. And so we, we, we go to this church. And the minute we walked in, I'm talking about the minute we walked in, we knew, oh, no, they don't believe like I believe. There wasn't a hand lifted up. Finally, about three songs in, some woman lifted her hand about halfway up. I thought, man, they're about to drag this woman out the back because nobody had their hands lifted up. It was so dry and so dead. Why? Because they didn't believe that the Holy Spirit is alive. He's a person. He's living on the inside of us. And the Bible says when we are filled with the Spirit, we're to sing. Hallelujah. Sing. Sing, lift our voice. Here's what else it says. Listen to this. Colossians chapter number 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. And one of the gauges, one of the ways, one of the indicators is that you'll begin to lift your voice and sing. That means that, hey, listen, if you just got a little bit of word, right, it just gets to about here, you're still not filled up yet. But listen, when you start to get the word of God and the Holy Spirit and you start to let it just fill up, eventually it will just overflow and you can't help but lift your voice and sing. Hallelujah. Do you remember before there was Bluetooth and you were sitting at a red light? Come on now. Song came on that you love, right? And you wanted to just sing, but you knew you'd look like a fool if you sat there talking to yourself, singing to yourself. Thank God they got Bluetooth. I could just put that little thing in my ear. People think I'm talking, but I'm really worshiping, huh? And then I get to a point where I don't even care what they think anymore. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's talking. Everybody's lifting their voice. They don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to worship God anyway. Hallelujah. Why? Because when you get filled, listen, when you get filled, it is a gauge. And when you let it overflow, right, it just comes out. Singing in song, lifting your voice. The second thing you need to know is singing is spiritual warfare it's spiritual warfare i said there's a battle going on there is a battle that is taking place and you can't see it with your natural eyes but i promise you if you were to look with your spiritual eyes you would see that all around us there are forces at war and singing is spiritual warfare in second chronicles chapter 20 there was a king by the name of jehoshaphat three armies were coming against his army. He was the king of Judah, and it looked absolutely hopeless. He was vastly outnumbered. It looked as if there was no way they were going to survive. Watch what it says in verse 21, 2 
morning. It says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now watch verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. When they began to sing, I said when they began to sing, when they began to sing. Now the interesting thing about this particular account is why did Jehoshaphat do that? There was no prophetic word. Watch this. There was no prophetic word that told him to do that. There was a prophetic word. He had gathered his council together. And in this council, there was a prophet by the name of Jehaziel. And Jehaziel said, I've got a word from God. And here's the word. The battle is not ours. It's God's. Uh, it's, it's not ours. It's God's. Watch this. Now watch this. In response to that word that the battle belongs to the Lord, Jehoshaphat put the praise team on the front lines. Why? Because he recognized that this is not a horizontal battle. This is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle, and it's going to be won differently. It's going to be won differently. So we're going to sing our way to victory. We're going to sing our way to freedom. Watch this. Watch this. So he set the praise team ahead, and when they began to sing, God sent forces against the children of Moab and Mount Seir and all of the enemy that had come against Judah. See, you don't know that, that when you come into this place that that maybe you're here today and, and while you were lifting your voice, something happened back at the house or something happened back at the job and, and you can't see it with your spiritual eyes, but something's going on in your marriage or your kids. See that when you're here singing and you're thinking you're just singing along with others, but really what is taking place is there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. That's why it's important for you to come and not just spectate and look around. It's important for you to come and sing. Sing, yeah. Sing, it's a spiritual battle. It is spiritual warfare. And we have to fight it differently. We have to fight it differently. The third thing is this. Singing is a means to deliverance. It's a means to deliverance. In Psalms chapter 32, verse 7, it says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Songs of deliverance. Pastor Alex preached a great message last week about an attitude of gratitude. And his text was from Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were just kind of walking along and there was this, young girl who was demon-possessed. And Paul prayed over her, cast the demon out of her. And because of that, the owner of that slave girl complained and brought a complaint against them. And it turned out that they were in prison, they were beaten. Watch this. They were put in the inner prison, which means there was no hope for food or water 
or help or relief to get to them. The only way prisoners could survive was from outside help through a window, and they were in the inner prison. In fact, the Bible says that their feet and their hands were in stocks. So they couldn't dance, and they couldn't clap, but they could sing. Hallelujah. I said they couldn't dance, and they couldn't clap, but they could sing. They could sing. Verse 25 says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing. Huh? Singing would not have been my first choice. Praying makes a little more sense. More like screaming for help, right? That's what I would have done. In fact, if I was Silas, I'd kind of be looking at Paul because Silas didn't even do anything. Kind of like, Paul, did you have to? We couldn't have just walked along to the restaurant. You had to go ahead and and do that? I'm here because of you. But Paul and Silas decided to sing. Sing, yeah. And as they sang a song, a hymn, as they lifted up their voice, the Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake, there was a shaking, and the prison bars were open. And they were free. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know... What, what, what it is that, that is that one sin that has been bondage. I, I don't know what, what it's just holding on to you that you just can't break its grip. Is it depression? Huh? Is it the, 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 the alcohol you can't seem to let go? Is it the pornography? Is it a relationship that you can't seem to sever? Huh? Is it something that you do, something that you say, something, something that you just can't break free? You need to sing over that thing. You need to sing your way to freedom. You need to lift your voice. Say, this thing's got me. My feet, my hands are bound, but I still have my voice. I can still lift my voice. I can still, I can still sing. You need to sing over that thing. Singing is a means to deliverance. It is your way out, your way to freedom. The fourth thing is this, singing positions you for birthing. Positions you for birthing. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who have no home, or you have not born. Break forth in the singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. This is a prophet by the name of Isaiah, and he's giving a prophetic word to the children of Israel. And here's what he's saying. He is speaking, and he's saying, if you're barren, in other words, if, if, if there's an emptiness on the inside of you, an emptiness, to be barren in those days was to be without hope. It was the worst possible situation a family could find themselves in. Because to be barren means that you had no heir. To have no heir meant that when you got old, there was no one to take care of you, to watch over you, to provide for you. A woman's worth in those days was in her ability to bear a child. God is saying, if you're barren, you need to sing. Because more are the children of the barren than even of those who are married. Sing. 
sing. Here's what he's saying. Sing over your barrenness. If it looks like in the natural, you have no hope. You have to sing. You have to lift your voice. You have to sing to your emptiness. Now my question for you today is, what's your barrenness? What's your barrenness? Where's your emptiness at? Do you find your emptiness in a wayward child that's walked away from God? You have raised them in the house of God. You've fed them the word of God. But right now you look in the natural and you see that they're off. They've, they've walked away. Is your barrenness a business that looks like it's going under? A bank account that seems empty? And it looks like there's no hope, there's no future. It looks like you're going to have to live with, with less than, live in lack. Huh, there's trouble on the job. Is your barrenness a marriage that, that just seems like you're not connecting, you're fall, it's falling apart, there's no love, it, it seems like it is gone. Is that your barrenness today? Is your barrenness a, a diagnosis? Is your barrenness a, a, a pain that you have to, endure? Is it a doctor's report where the doctor has told you, no, there's, there's no hope. It's, it's only medication. It's only pain management. There's no cure for it. The thing will never turn around. What is your barrenness? And ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard. Because I believe that we can sing over our barrenness. Sing over it. Sing over it. Lift your voice. In the mornings when I go out on my back porch and grab my cup of coffee and my peanut butter toast, come on somebody. I grab my iPad and I start with a couple of the Psalms and then whatever day of the week it is, I'll, I'll read that proverb. And then I pray a certain prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, they're known as the Pauline prayers. I pray them over my family every day. And then I get up from my little chair, and, and I got neighbors that, you know, I got a decent-sized backyard, but I got neighbors that could see in, and I go, well, oh well, all right? They've been seeing me now for, for a very long time because I, I just start to pace back and forth, and I start to sing doors are closed, no one can hear me, huh? I don't get very loud, but I just sing, I sing over my family, I sing over my kids, I, I sing over our future, I sing over my finances, I just begin to lift my voice and I begin to sing. For the last couple weeks I've been coming in early on Sunday mornings, I've always come in early on Sundays, I mean early, I mean early, I get here early doors are shut. I make sure that they're locked just in case somebody shows up. But here's what I've been doing for the last three weeks. I've been coming in. I'm going to put on music. I put it on loud, right? Loud. And I begin to sing, and I've been singing over the seats and walking through rows and sections, stretching my hands, and I begin to sing over these seats. I begin to sing that God would fill them. And whoever sits there this morning, their life is going to be changed. 
God's going to do something in their life during the worship. God's going to do something through the preaching of the word. That there's going to be a verse that they hear that's connecting something in their life. And here's why. This isn't something that you could just use on Sunday mornings. We're not trying to pump up the crowd. No, no, no. I want you to, to take this message and I want you to say, yeah, Sunday morning I want to come in and I want to lift my voice. But do you know what? It's also Monday morning. I need this. And, and it's Tuesday afternoon when I'm driving home from work and I've had the worst possible day. And hey, it's Thursday morning and it's Thursday night and it's Saturdays and it's every day, every moment of my life. If I have to slip out of the office, if I've got to get out of my cubicle, if I have to go to a bathroom stall or go outside, if I have to take a little ride in my car I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to sing over my barrenness I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to say hey this thing is going to change in my life